0: NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. NWP
1: Radio. Welcome all to this special production of the National Writing Project. We're really excited about this feature series of NWP Radio called the story of the poem, where I have a chance to talk to poets about being a poet, the story behind a poem and a craft feature of the poem. Each episode will end with an opportunity to give it a go. In other words, an invitation to craft a poem or a few lines using a technique the poet has highlighted. We hope these writing invitations will spur you to start or keep on writing after the episode or give you something new to try in your classroom. I am Tanya Baker, the Director of National Programs at the National Writing Project and for each episode, I'll have the honor and pleasure of welcoming our guests and our listeners and viewers to spend a few minutes diving deep into poetry. Oops, that didn't work. Let's see. Poet, nonfiction writer, and teacher, Patrice Vecchioni. Did I say that right, Patrice? You did. <laughs> Her new book is My Shouting, Shattered, Whispering Voice, A Guide to Writing Poetry and Speaking the tr- Your Truth. Patrice is the editor of several highly acclaimed anthologies for young adults, most recently, Inc. Knows No Borders, Poems of the Immigrant and Refugee Experience, called A Vivid and Vital Collection by the Washington Post. She's the author of Writing in the Spiritual Life and Step into Nature, Nurturing Imagination and Spirit in Everyday everyday Life, as well as two collections of poetry. For many years, Patrice has taught poetry and creative writing to young people through her program, The Heart of the Word, Poetry and the Imagination. She's also a columnist for her local daily paper, The Monterey Herald. Patrice offers writing workshops for adults and children through her program, The Heart of the Word. Patrice, welcome.
0: So good to be here, Tanya. Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, I'm so excited and so looking forward to this interview. and I- I was hoping we could start by just sort of talking about a poet's life. How is it, Patrice, that you became a poet?
0: Well, I started writing poems when I was in high school uh, because my family life was difficult and I needed a way to really talk to myself without anybody else's Mm. interaction or intervention in, in my process. But really I was introduced to poetry as a very little baby. My mother recited poems to me, A. A. Milne, Eleanor Fargian, Robert Louis Stevenson. Um, so I grew up with that as a really its own language. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, that's how I started.
1: That's fantastic. Uh, you brought a poem today for us to talk about. I um, I believe we're gonna talk about your poem, Finders Keepers. Right. And could you just start by reading it for us? I'd love to.
0: Finders Keepers. Just what can be found with eyes open? $10,000 in coins anyway, enough to fill a few five gallon jugs. When his friend asked for a loan, take this, said my father, pointing to a jar full of the small change other men ignore a kind of faith in the possibility a nickel has. The wristwatch I wear daily, my father found on a park bench. Once, shortly after my mother left, bills were due. Pop was down to soda crackers and cigar butts. In line at the liquor store to buy a cigar with his foot, he slyly reached for a 50. Most people look in the wrong direction, locating faith above them. Pennies don't fall from heaven. They're down below, near sewer drains, on the asphalt, beside dog droppings and spent matches, worn shoes, even beggars leave behind.
1: Oh, Patrice, that's lovely. I loved it the first time I read it and hearing you read it was, outstanding. I know we're going to talk about your uh, process for writing this poem. But I want to say that move most people look in the wrong direction, uh, really captures my heart.
0: Oh, good. I'm glad. Well, that was my dad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what is the story of this poem? Where did it come from? And how did it evolve?
0: Um, My father from the time I can remember would find Pennies, nickels, fifty dollars. <laughs> he, he knew to look on the ground to find, mm-hmm. and so I would watch him. And sometimes I would grow patient, impatient with him, because there'd be a phone booth, and he'd have to put his finger in the the change the the change slot. For mm-hmm. some of you, you will not know phone booths, but for others of us, it was <laughs> right. It's a it's a memory, and he you know I'd say Pop come on let's go we're in a hurry and he didn't matter he had <laughs> to, he had to stop and 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 he found this this watch here <laughs> there it is there it is mm-hmm. on a park bench and um, much of the jewelry I have was from him from finding things, um, so the idea came from my dad. Um, but but and also it was really he told me this story about his friend my dad's name was nick and his friend's name was Forrest. and Forrest wanted to buy a house and he didn't have money for a down payment and he asked my father for a loan well my father didn't have any money except <laughs> he had these jugs and together they put them in a wheelbarrow and got them in the guy's trunk and <laughs> He took, I don't know how he took them to the bank or handed them to the mortgage company, but I was really intrigued by that. And that's amazing. Yeah, so so the, the
1: idea came from, from real life. Yeah, nice. Um, in the show, we're gonna ask for several readings so that we can really sit with a poem. I'm mm-hmm. wondering if you would feel ready to read this poem out loud for us once again. Sure,
0: happily. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to learn, learn mm. about the poem myself through reading it.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <sighs> Finders Keepers. Just what can be found with eyes open? $10,000 in coins anyway, enough to fill a few five-gallon jugs. When his friend asked for a loan, take this, said my father, pointing to a jar of the small change other men ignore a kind of faith in the possibility a nickel has the wristwatch i wear daily my father found on a park bench once shortly after my mother left bills were due pop was down to soda crackers and cigar butts in line at the liquor store to buy a cigar with his foot he slyly reached for a 50. Most people look in the wrong direction, locating faith above them. Pennies don't fall from heaven. They're down below, near sewer drains, on the asphalt, beside dog droppings and spent matches, worn shoes
1: even beggars leave behind. Mm. On this reading, Patrice, I noticed um, the through line of faith, that the word faith appears twice that the word heaven appears. Mm-hmm. And we begin to have a poem that's, at least on some level, not just about the, the story of your dad's living, but also of the way he thinks about the world.
0: Yeah, we were. Uh, he was raised Catholic, Italian Catholic. I was raised mm-hmm. Catholic. Um, my mother was devout. We went to, to, to Mass every Sunday. And my father would never come he didn't he never he never believed and I am fallen I fell away from the religion, a long, long time ago. Um, And my father might have seemed in some ways faithless, but the truth of the matter is my father had a great deal of faith uh, to 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 choose to buy a cigar, it was the choice between that and the phone bill. And of course obviously the phone bills at this time this was probably in um in this was in the late 70s hey. uh phone bill was less expensive <laughs> so you really <laughs> could choose between the two right and um right and um so my dad was was willing to live on the edge and um I I learned from that. I I also, when you asked earlier about the life of a poet, Mm -hmm. well, I've never had a job. I've never had an employer. I've always worked for myself. And so I know what my dad was talking about. I used to buy $3 of gas and one roll of toilet paper at a time, but I always had a bunch of flowers in my house. And so, you know, I think the faith my father had is also a kind of faith that he
1: helped me to develop. That's so lovely. And also a great way to live, I think, with one roll of toilet paper and some flowers. (laughs) (laughs) The essentials, right? (laughs) Exactly. Um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the crafting of this poem. What Um, could, one way of thinking about this question I think is, what could a young poet learn from the way you made this poem?
0: Um, So this poem is about surprise in part. It's about the unexpected. Mm. And um, I began it with a question, uh, the question, just what can be found with eyes open? Which of course has meaning beyond finding um, Nichols and, and Dime. Uh, so, so you might start a poem by asking yourself a question, um, a question that you might know the answer to or a question you don't know the answer to. It's a great invitation into a poem to begin with a question. I was just thinking the other day, um, we lost the great poet Lawrence Ferlinghetti. He was 101 years old when he died. And one of my favorite poems is one of his, it's called Fortune. And he begins that poem, um, Fortune has its cookies to give out, which is a good thing, since it's been a long time since that summer in Brooklyn. And, and that beginning, right, isn't it, it's, it's, but I realized, I was, I was thinking about this, what we were doing today, and I thought, that's where I got the type, the first line from. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know it till I wrote this poem quite a while ago. I didn't right. know it till today. Oh, nice. That, that, so Ferlinghetti's poem isn't about cookies. Right. It's not directly about fortune, but it is also like my poem, it is about surprise. Mm. And so you could begin a poem by asking, Um, a question. Um, In terms of what else young people might get from this poem is I think you have to remember when you're writing a poem that you can't say everything Mm -hmm. unless you're writing an epic. (laughs) Most of us are not writing epic poems. You have to choose what detail will stand in for something larger than its own specificity. Mm. Now, in this poem, particularly where I say, um, once shortly after my mother left. So that's really kind of the hinge. Poems often have hinges. Some place where the poem makes a change, a shift, and the poem gets more serious there. It's light, it's a little bit light um, up above, Uh, but here it becomes more serious and so I don't tell you any more about my mother leaving, except to say that clearly my father didn't have enough money. So you have to choose your details really carefully. Mm. Some people write poems that are straight narrative, right? It's so, a narrative poem is like telling a story, only it's told in, in verse. So it's still it's condensed. It's a distillation. Um, I like sometimes in poems to also make a comment. Mm -hmm. And I did that a little bit in in a subtle way. The the last stanza of the poem is completely my, my comment on what happened.
1: Yeah. Nice. All right, Patrice. I think with all of that in our minds, we should hear the poem one last time.
0: Okay. Finders Keepers. Just what can be found with eyes open? $10,000 in coins anyway, enough to fill a few five-gallon jugs. When his friend asked for a loan, take this, said my father, pointing to a jar full of the small change other men ignore. A kind of faith in the possibility a nickel has. The wristwatch I wear daily, my father found on a park bench. Once, shortly after my mother left, bills were due. Pop was down to soda crackers and cigar butts. In line at the liquor store to buy a cigar with his foot, he slyly reached for a 50. Most people look in the wrong direction, locating faith above them. Pennies don't fall from heaven, They're down below, near sewer drains, on the asphalt, beside dog droppings and spent matches, worn shoes, even beggars leave behind.
1: Uh, I love this poem. You can read it to me all day. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, I do wanna say like my reading, my listening this time was influenced by the idea of that hinge and like thinking of how the poem did change on that line. That was great. Uh, we asked you to prepare some kind of provocation for listeners in case they're inspired. What did you bring for us?
0: Um, so, you know, particularly right now, when we think about what's going on with the pandemic and how our lives have been so deeply, deeply altered, mm-hmm. we think about loss. But anytime you lose something, no matter what it is, you find something else. And so Mm -hmm. if you lose innocence, maybe you gain wisdom. If you lose your dollar, maybe you find hunger or inconvenience or disappointment. Um, So you might like to write about either a time that you found something or a time that you lost something. The things that I have that mean the most to me are really in terms of objects, many of them aren't, they're not objects of great value. They're, they're, they mean something because of their emotion. And if I lost them or when I've lost them, my grief is not because of their value to anybody else, but because of their value to me. Mm-hmm. So you might write about that experience of losing something you lost something, what did you find? Or simply the experience of, um, of losing or finding. Mm-hmm. And here's a funny thing. A few days after my father died at the ripe old age of 91, yeah. my husband and I were walking on a street and I happened to look down and see an envelope. And I did what I didn't know I had learned to do from my dad. And I want you to know how to do this, too, because it comes in very handy. (laughs) You see something on the ground that you want to pick up that might be valuable in some way, and you might not want to share it. What you do is you look in a different direction while you bend down and pick that object up. (sighs) I really didn't know it till I was in the midst of bending down and purposely looking in another direction. So if anyone saw me, they would look naturally at what I was looking at. Well, what did I find on the sidewalk that day? A hundred dollar gift certificate to a fancy restaurant. (laughs) Oh, maybe a better person, somebody better than me or my dad, would have returned the gift certificate to the restaurant and said, someone dropped this. But I am not that good a human being. I had a lovely meal that day with my husband.
1: And the spirit of your dad. Yes. Oh, (laughs) I love that story. That's fantastic. (laughs) Patrice, when we were getting ready, you said you had a few other words you'd like to say. So I just left some room for advice or last words if you'd like to share them.
0: Sure. I think it's important to have rules when we're writing poems but these rules are not rules that you're likely to get elsewhere
1: Mm.
0: and my first one is the most important because when you're writing a poem it's it's different than writing anything else to me writing a poem is like your eyes are closed and you're feeling along a wall Mm. and all of a sudden you find the crack in the wall your poem is on the other side and you just have to slip in and there it is. But if you didn't close your eyes and put your hand along what you thought was a wall, you wouldn't have found the poem. So one thing that can help you adjust your thinking to writing poems is to not feel that you have to make logical sense. We spend most of our days in the rational world. Creativity doesn't come from rationality. It's big. It's as big as dream and prayer and wishes and falling in love. So it doesn't have to make sense. Trust your imagination. Keep in mind that not all poems, in fact, many that are written these days, they don't rhyme. There is no wrong way to approach writing a poem. And if anybody tells you otherwise, you tell, send them my way, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and don't plan what you're going to say. Let yourself be surprised by what you write. I forget who it was who said, no surprise to the writer, no surprise to the to the reader. Oh, that's, that's true.
1: nice. I like that. Ah. Patrice I've been so excited to meet you and this has been a lovely way to spend a little moment and I am so appreciative so thank you so much for being our first guest on the story of the poem oh terrific (laughs) terrific I'll look forward to it yes we'll let you know when um, it's out in the world it will be soon by April certainly and we just really love that you join us and And I want to and thank you also for your participation on our writers on the National Writing Project's Writers Council. I also just want to take a moment to thank viewers and listeners for joining us and to remind them that this is um, from the National Writing Project. You can go to our website, nwp.org, and sign up for our monthly newsletter so you never miss exciting opportunities like this one. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, especially Patrice. We really appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Right Bye. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. Yeah. NWP. Yeah. NWP. Yeah. NWP. NWP Radio.